listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast. A bold look at reality. News, analysis, strategies, and opinions. Direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute. It's time to get on the inside track. Hey everyone, it's Madison Norton here from the Real Estate Investment Network, and this is the Real Estate Insider Podcast. We have a stellar episode coming at you this week, but in case you're catching up from last week's conversation with Don Campbell, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, and now we're also available on Stitcher Radio, which is available both on iOS and on Android devices. So you can download the full list of episodes and get your subscription set up to start receiving everything else that's coming up. This week's is a definite treat. With all the recent announcements to the mortgage rules, BMO recently released a five-year fixed rate of 2.99%. If you can actually believe it, we've gone down below three. The media is buzzing and speculation and ideas are flying around. And everybody wants to know, what does this mean for our mortgage market and the housing markets that rely on this lending? Well, here's where this comes in. Russell Westcott, veteran investor and member of the team here at the Real Estate Investment Network, is being joined by Callum Ross, mortgage broker and principal at Callum Ross Mortgage. His experience in the mortgage industry is massive, and one of the leaders in lending is certainly who Callum is. He's appeared on numerous news outlets, including the Globe and Mail, and recently and numerous times on BNN, talking about the mortgage market and using his analysis to tell people exactly what's coming down the pipe. So how many big questions do you have in terms of getting financing for your properties? Chances are, whether you're an investor or just trying to buy your first home, the changing mortgage market can certainly be a tough one to navigate. Instead of staying the course and sitting in confusion and drowning in the deep end, why not expand your knowledge and tune into one of the leading experts on mortgages and creative financing, one of the leading experts in the country. So let's join Russell Westcott and Callum Ross for part one of a two-part series as they exchange their ideas and tackle the tough questions that you need answers to. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network. I'll tell you what, we're only a couple short weeks away from the ACRE program, and I am excited about tonight's conference call. We have a jam-packed lineup, a jam-packed line, jam-packed everything on the go today. So we are in for a treat, and we're going to be talking about financing, and we're going to talk about mortgages, and, you know, I often am reminded about that, the old joke that in Canada there's three things that we like to talk about. One is interest rates, one's weather, and one's hockey. <laughs> so we've already talked about two of the three, so we might as well dive into mortgages. Hmm. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Callum Ross, welcome to the line, Callum. How are you? I'm fantastic, thanks. How about yourself? Good. Now, you know what, Callum? I could sit here and I could read your bio and tell all the wonderful things and how passionate you are as a mortgage broker and you know your stuff. And But you've had a pretty busy day already today, haven't you? You've been on BNN and you had <laughs> the, Globe uh, and Mail and you had a date. A, the most important part of your day is you had a date with your daughters. So I did, yeah. No, I had a great daddy-daughter date night last night. I had a date with them breakfast this morning. And then while I was at breakfast, I got a call that BNN wanted me to do a commentary on the Bank of Montreal uh, rate announcement, which, of course, I did an article last week um, commenting on their, their uh, how their lead economist had indicated that, uh, you know, the uh, rates were not going to go down and to go with a, a locked rate. And so, of course, you know, all of a sudden, then, uh, they wanted to cover it off on BNN. And, of course, two weeks after they said everyone should lock the rates, they bring their own rates down. So, oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, so, you know, the banks don't do what's in their best interest. Of course, that, that would be absolutely manipulation. So, 
So, Callum, I know um, many people on the line do know you, but um, why don't we just um, jump in? Maybe if you can give us the cold notes version of who Callum Ross is and, and why we should be listening to you tonight on this uh, wonderful conference call. And if sure. you can also do the honor of, of introducing your your, um, your expert help with you there as well. Well, we'll do the uh, we'll do the expert help first because uh, she's the person a lot of times people will be dealing with in terms of documentation. And quite frankly, she knows that stuff way better than I do. So, uh, Jen is an all-star. She has been in the mortgage industry for over five years, uh, and she was uh, west of the city. And when she moved into Toronto, uh, three people had referred me to her, and then uh, she was expensive. So we were trying to figure out whether or not we could afford to have her come on. But uh, the, uh, she's making herself worth it now. So she's been here now for over six months, but I've known of Jennifer for a while. And uh, she has done a, a brilliant job with clients, and uh, she's uh, very, very thorough in terms of our weekly updates and attention to detail and, uh, you know, making sure that um, you know, a large volume of mortgage documents move through in a very orderly and systematic fashion and does it in a polite manner. So, so you're, a, you're a smart man, Callum, and you know when you need good help, right? Yes, absolutely. So there's, the, uh, there's not that many things that I'm good at, it, but the things that are the ones that fortunately pay pretty well. So the, uh, I surround myself with people that can actually help with my weaknesses. That's why I need so many people on my team. <laughs> Right on. The, um, and how about yourself? Why, why should we be listening to you? Why, why should we have, you know, ladies and gentlemen, there was over 630 people registered for this call tonight. Well, why, why do you think that is, Callum? What, do you, got, you know what you're talking about? Or yeah, what? I like to think so. Well, you know what I mean? I think it's funny because I originally planned on going in the investment industry, but then I realized a lot more people need debt advice than, than, than investment advice. But ironically, you know, I've really realized that real estate investors do it. So, I mean, I've just been a passionate learner. Uh, you know, actually, my mom forced me through school when I was a kid. Like, getting good grades was a non-negotiable in my house. But then towards the end of undergrad, I actually started enjoying it. So, you know, I did an undergrad and an MBA in finance, and then I, uh, I've done a uh, basically every personal finance credential you can do in Canada, and I've taught the MBA-level personal finance class. Uh, and then since then, I went back and did the comprehensive leadership program at uh, Harvard Business School in Boston, um, and uh, I'm still doing courses now. So, um, you know, I'm just – I'm. You know, the uh, different people get excited about different things, and, you know, I like my workouts and my martial arts, but, uh, you know, I'm passionate about personal finance and helping people, and I'm passionate about real estate investors. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, too, unfortunately, a lot of people, they have everything it takes to actually achieve their financial goals. Uh, they just get uh, the wrong advice, or they, you know, they work with unscrupulous people who put their interests first, um, which, you know, probably segues into where we're starting tonight. I mean, most of the clients that we're taking in recently are, Cleanup operations, right? I mean, uh, more often than not, a client early days because it's easy, they go to their own bank, or it's easy and the broker goes to the bank that's easy. Well, you know, we want that easy bank uh, later on in the process when someone's actually acquired a number of properties because at the early days, you know, anyone can do it. Um, it's later on you want to have those places that have, you know, more liberal lending guidelines. So I, I don't think people do it maliciously per se, Russ, but, you know, in the interest, like, oh, I can just do this hassle-free at my own bank. It's like, great, we want to do that for your 25th property, not your first one. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why don't we why don't we start there? Why don't we start with maybe some really cool um, tips and strategies that you can offer to people on getting their you know maybe so they don't paint themselves into a corner in their first mortgages, yeah. or maybe uh, or maybe even how to strategically put the chess pieces in place to help them build a portfolio because most people would be interested in that. Well, yeah, I mean, and it really is chess pieces. And the other thing too is that you know we're playing this game of chess and you know say uh, you're winning the uh, and all of a sudden I change 
change the rules. Um, and that's the thing that challenges us all the time, right? So, you know, people got used to this period of time, you know, a few years ago when they were bulk insuring everything and just had to meet certain debt coverage guidelines. And that's not the world that we live in today. So, you know, conventional wisdom back then was, you know, you max out at the individual institution. Um, and that's not the case today. So what happens is you've got balance sheet lenders and non-balance sheet lenders. So a balance sheet lender is someone who doesn't necessarily fund it from their balance sheet, a.k.a. cash or cash equivalents on hand. Um, or you've got the um, a secondary market lender. So what they do is they, you know, they fund the loan temporarily, they move it into a mortgage pool and move it off their books, and they service the loan. Um, and that's relevant because um, the rules that a non-balance sheet lender have to follow, and most non-balance sheet lenders tend to be small mortgage banks. Um, the big mortgage banks, such as the First Nationals, the street capitals of the world, like the ones that actually also have CMHC extra consideration, they're not quite bank level, but they've got, you know, uh, capital, um, you know, they tend to have um, a little bit more flexibility. But, you know, the problem with this process is that the um, smaller lenders have, um, you know, a lot of times really hassle-free ways to do things, but they have a very, very small appetite for risk. So, you know, you go to one of the small mortgage banks, and they can do your first couple real estate rental programs quite easily, but they'll only have at any given time no more than $800,000 worth of exposure. And which case, you know, you use them up real quick. Um, then you look at, you know, when you start to go into some of the other uh, bigger ones, um, some of those ones are going to look at um, your aggregate portfolio. Some of them are going to look at your portfolio of them. They don't really care what's going on with the other ones. Um, but in, you know, four years time ago, people used to look at the individual properties. Now they're much more inclined to look at the portfolio. Um, and, and Don Campbell and I are going to be working on um, coming up with a letter to kind of fix this. And I want to have the RAIN members and the people on this call to support this because, you know, Rusty, I'm obviously not going to divulge your personal financial details, but um, when we go through a mortgage process, it's not like, you know, when we talk about your mortgages or something like that, that you're going to let one negative cash flowing property wipe out your whole portfolio. What you would do is then sell that property. Um, but right now, banks are not looking at it that way. What they're actually doing is they're saying, hey, well, listen, you know what? You've got this one negative cash flowing property. It's going to mess up everything, which is totally unfair to the real estate investors. It's unfair to the borrowers because that's not what someone would do if they're bleeding out on an asset. Asset. They wouldn't let it take out everything. They would get rid of that one asset. And so more than anything else, uh, people need to have to understand, you know, where they want to go in the long run. Because, you know, when you know where you want to go in the long run with some degree of certainty, you can really start to map out the steps. But where things get messed up sometimes along the way is that, you know, the person thinks they want to do 20 properties and then they get four in, which, by the way, is a pretty blessed position. Let's keep it in perspective. Yeah. Um, if you've got, you know, four properties that are worth $300,000 all paid off and cash flowing, um, you're doing a lot better than about 90% of Canadians. But you know, we ran an analysis at, here at the office, and it was I think it was three and a half or four properties paid off on an average house would uh, be the, almost similar to what an Ontario teacher's pension would contribute to, to someone's net, to net worth on a monthly basis. Yeah, and I mean, in fact, your net worth would be higher, right? I mean, when you look at the Money Sense Canadian net worth statistics, you know, to be the top 20% of households, you need less than a million dollars of the net worth. Um, so when I come back to this, and you and I have had this conversation many times, Russ, is that, you know, 
when you are going through this, you really want to map out, and Don talks about your beliefs, but, you know, you've got to have that longer-term plan because if you have, you know, desire, you go four properties and say afterwards, mm, now I'd really like to go and do 20, well, you know, the decisions that I would have made along the way for you or you would have made along the way are now potentially very messed up. Um, and then, you know, there are points in time when you can pretty flexibly move a property from one lender to another uh, without too much hassle. This is not one of those times. <laughs> um, I suspect that real estate investment lending rules will get more liberal now. I think we've seen most of the worst of it, providing there's not some major fraud component on the real estate investor segment. Um, but, you know, we've been at this for a long enough time that um, – for all the years that I've been in mortgages, almost every single one of those years, real estate investment loans traded at a premium, non-owner-occupied properties compared to an owner-occupied property. And that's a pretty fair representation of the risk. And I think that people need to be much more mindful about what their relative rate of return on their capital is. So what I mean by that is that, you know, if you're putting 20% down and, you know, on that 20%, you yield, you know, uh, X number of dollars per year. Uh, after your costs, uh, that's a much more important number than what your interest rates are. I mean, you know, for the purpose of closing quickly, you know, I've closed with the uh, interest rates that are much higher, and I'm considered by most people's standards one of the top mortgage people in the country. Um, a lot of times it's much more important to actually get in the deal. Um, there's sometimes some of the real estate investors, and they tend to be more rookies, that are obsessing over the rate. Well, yeah, of course we want to get a lower rate. I mean, it's not like um, I enjoy dealing with non-conforming lenders, quite frankly. You know, Jennifer will tell you they, um, you know, they're not fun banks to work with at our end. They're way tougher. We do way more work. They get slower response time. Um, there's just no one who's happy about it. But when it comes down to, you know, paying a marginally higher interest rate um, to actually be able to build your portfolio, providing the cash flow numbers work and the deal makes sense, um, you know, at the, uh, you do tend to make more money on the deals you do than the ones you don't do. Well, I hear you. And holy moly, Callum, you said you said a, a mo I've asked you one question, and you said a whole <laughs> mouthful here already. <laughs> so yeah, asked, well, the people know me well. That's the norm, the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As everyone, I asked earlier to make sure you had a pen and paper handy, so I've I've been taking notes myself. So here's here's a, a quick synopsis of what Callum said: is if you're working, you know, some good tips. Have a plan. Have the long-term vision. Have professionals on your side. Smaller lenders are typically more friendly. Use those ones first. Use your personal relationship of the big banks, use those later, know your cost of capital, know your returns on your money, and interest rate is not the only decision criteria when selecting financing. How did I do? Did I pass the test? You, you did pretty well. The, uh, next time, I'm just going to actually ask you the question. You can tell me. <laughs> the, um, but, you know, but one thing that I just want to build out on, Russ, while you're there is that, um, you know, if people say acquire properties, um, you've got to be really clear. You don't want to be all things to all people. People think acquiring properties. Well, you know, if you're acquiring a commercial property, it's a different ballgame than acquiring a residential property. And if, you know, you're buying a residential investment property and it's a, you know, four-unit, the uh, $300,000 property in, you know, small town BC or Ontario, that's one thing. If you're buying a four-unit, um, you know, uh, property that's a $1.5 million property in a prestigious neighborhood in Vancouver or Toronto, um, you know, 
you've got to know what that goal comprises. And unfortunately, in early days, or people who tend to be, you know, not doing so well at this game, um, it is important in your, and you know this in your joint venture book, if anyone has it on this call has not read that, they should. It's awesome. You know, you've got to be as clear about what you won't do as what you will do. Because, I mean, if I sit back on my desk, and I, you know, certainly did this in my late 20s and early 30s, is that, you know, I'd could someone give me a deal and it, there'd be money to make and I'd jump in it and I'd complicate my life and end up getting involved in things that I shouldn't. And so, you know, you, what's on your need to have list is important, but also if you're going to have joint venture partners, and if, by the way, if you're married, you have a joint venture partner, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, the, um, and if you, um, don't have your goals in alignment on these things um, and have a very clear understanding of what your need to haves are and, and your need to avoids are, then, you know, it's not if you're going to run into problems, it's when. Yeah, I hear you. I often say the first person you need to, quote-unquote, sell yourself on this whole real estate game is yourself, and then the second person you need to is the person that you spend all the time with your, your loved ones at home. You need to have – that's your second person you need to advise. So, Callum, I know you need a drink of water because you said an awful lot. Uh, Jennifer, do you mind if I fire you a question? Yeah, absolutely. So – you deal you deal with all the paperwork and you deal with all the Thank work you. of all the files coming in. Yep. Um, what did, what do you find typically that investors are most surprised by when when uh, when they're dealing with uh, investment mortgages? Um, for real estate investors, I would definitely say that they're most surprised by insurance premiums. But there's no insurance premiums on in, in mortgages. <laughs> no, I'm putting twenty percent down, right? Yeah. No, well, if it, if it's a rental property, unfortunately, that's not true. Um, a lot of lenders are charging a premium. Uh, for properties that have a loan-to-value over 65%, and not a lot of people know that. Some lenders still allow up to 75% before a premium is added, but um, as you know, the uh, the lending guidelines change constantly, and um, so that's something that, that could definitely change any day now. And um, just as a reminder, CMHC, as most people would probably know, has increased its insurance premiums as of May 1st. Okay. So for anyone out there that's uh, – go ahead, Calm. I was going to say, and actually the other two insurers as well have also, so it's not just CMHC, it's uh, right across the board, May 1st. Your deal must be approved by May 1st, otherwise you will be facing mm-hmm. higher insurance premiums. Mm-hmm. So as a good course of action, every person on this line as a real estate investor should be factoring in insurance premiums on every mortgage they get for ins- uh, investment purposes. Well, it hasn't been everyone yet, the, um, but you know when there's so few left that aren't doing it and um, the um, they just want to make sure that they've got that uh, security off their books. But keep it in context, though, right? Because you know, this is the people, people are like, oh, my God, I don't want to pay a – I'm sorry I didn't use it when I used the Lord's name in vain there. There's anyone who's super religious. But um, when you actually go through this, you know, people are like, well, you know, it's a 1% premium or whatever, and it's you know, $300,000 loan. Okay, well, yes, that is $3,000. And if you have that $3,000 premium and you plan on keeping that property for 25 years, um, you know, a, uh, and I would say that uh, of all my skill sets, I'm pretty good with math. Um, you know, you're not talking about something that is a substantial cost when you look at it amortized over the longer hold cycle. If you're flipping that property and you're not getting the time to realize it back, then that's a big deal. But otherwise, what you're essentially talking about is $120 a year, $10 a month. Right. So is, if I'm putting down insurance premiums, does that also mean that the qualification process may be a little more easier because it's being moved off the bank's books? Um, it, it is right now in the 65 to 80 zone. Um, they're just the um, – because they've got – 
um, you know, different different standard of care. Ten, if all else equal, um, the uh, the larger the mortgage loan, the the, the bigger the standard of care, and uh, all else equal, the the higher the loan of value. So the amount of mortgage relative to the value of the property, that's not the price you paid, it's the value they appraise it at. Um, they uh, higher the standard of care, so the more they're going to do due diligence on. Well, you you've often mentioned too is really it, it might be the cost of doing business. I think a lot of people on this line would actually be quite happy to know that if there's um if there's a fee to be paid and maybe if you if if I had the option that I had to pay a premium and I had to put 25% down but that gave me access to more mortgages I would take that deal in the heartbeat I, you know, it's funny because I, I say this and I'm going to say it many, many times again. And I've been, you know, I, I was specializing in real estate investors before I actually got involved in the RAIN network. I just got better at it since I met you guys. Um, you know, there are two types of real estate investors. There are those who have run out of money and those who will run out of money. Um, because, you know, it's just the, um, I've never yet had a client and I've had some, you know, I've had everything from someone who's got negative net worth to someone who's got, you know, substantial net worth, and they've all run out. <laughs> the, um, uh, but, you know, even myself, I'll tell you right now that I've got, um, you know, two deals that I have undergo right now, and Melanie Reuter is my joint venture partner. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that we're excited about this deal is it's got good cash flow, um, but the guy's willing to do a vendor take back, and this property can be financed to 80%, which means that, you know, now we're talking about with our, myself and our joint venture partner, that's 5% down each. You know, 5% down each as opposed to, you know, the um, having to put 20% down on my own or you know, 10%, the, uh, we've now doubled the amount of properties we can buy because the down payment tends to be the restrictive factor, providing that you're actually buying positive cash flowing properties and follow the RAIN model. And, you know, I think people need to pause and reflect on that because it's not just the RAIN model that they're recommending. Uh, people don't go bankrupt on positive cash flowing properties. Again, you know, not rocket science, but, um, but what I will say is that People also don't get mortgages during negative cash flow properties. <laughs> right. Or they do, but they, um, you know, they have to get them from the uh, sources that uh, are not very cheap. Yeah, and you had mentioned something earlier as well as you know treating it like a business, right? If you have a portfolio and maybe a couple properties, uh, uh, one or two properties is hindering your impact to get you more future mortgages down the road. It might be something you might want to, you know, as call the herd, as as a good friend of ours, Jared Hope, once said when he was talking about farm analogies and, and real estate investing. So, yeah. so if you don't mind, Cal, I'm just going to switch gears just a touch here for a second. You uh -huh. just, you know, you were on BNN today. Yes. And you know what? There's lots of changes happening. You know, there's CMHC changes, which we've talked about. I was actually, I, was, I did the BNN piece, uh, piece on that one, too. The, yeah, uh, and then it, it's funny. It's like I bet you really like anytime banks make changes because it means that you're getting more time on media, right? Well, yeah, it was funny because, uh, you know, when I was growing up, no one wanted my opinion. It's actually I'm just so fascinated people want my opinion. I don't know when the story's going to end, but I'm, I'm running with it while it's here. <laughs> Right. So with a lot of these things, you know, and then we've heard things about governing bodies coming in, a lot of these things sound like they're detrimental for getting mortgages and real estate investors. Um, should we be concerned or, or what, what, what's your temperature of the mortgage market right now in Canada? Well, I mean, the um, I, I mean, I, there's no question it's under scrutiny. So last year it was obviously that was going through the big banks and they auditing their files. 
And one of the reasons they were going through them was was to see what happens as if I was a you know running RBC or Scotiabank. Um, what happens is if I do a CMHC loan, there's CMHC's got certain standards that I suppose I'm supposed to follow. And if I follow those standards, in the event that you know the borrower defaults, that insurance protects me, doesn't protect the consumer. Um, what they were concerned about was exposure with CMHC because of the capital that was injected. So they wanted to look at the bank's books, and that audit didn't go so well. Um, some of them did better than others, and I don't know the exact inner workings. But what I will say is that now OFSI is overlooking primarily at uh, CMHC, but people need to realize that OFSI is the real deal. The, um, they can have big restrictions and make big changes, um, but the lending environment is one of the things that preserves the integrity of our overall financial system. And if anyone doesn't believe that, we just need to think back to what happened to the U.S. economy when there was a temporary blip in the credit capital markets. I mean, yeah, equity markets are cool because that's where you know companies get raising capital to grow, but credit capital markets is what runs our governments because they're all borrowers. It's what runs our society. In fact, you know, most households are actually negative cash flow until their late 30s or 40s. And so the stability of that system is, is incredibly important, um, and people don't need to worry about whether or not there's going to be opportunities to get real estate investment loans. What they need to be figuring out is, you know, what do they need to be doing with their portfolio? What do they need to be doing with their tax planning? What do they need to be doing with the process in which they borrow? Because, you know, I all the time come to these people, well, I get this rent and from these one people, and, you know, they, uh, they pay me cash, and then I just don't show it on my income tax return. And then, you know, other people will be like, well, the um, you know I've been really um, writing off uh, what our capital expenses, so you know on my income tax return, um, you know it's not showing us any money. Well, you know you can't have the best of both worlds. You, um, you can't expect to show no income on investment properties or no income when you're self-employed, and at the same time expect to actually have people liberally want to lend you money. But what you need to understand is that, you know, if you actually are mindful in the planning and you're getting advice from competent professionals that understand the field along the way, um, and this is why I always say dealing with a competent, you know, a uh, competent mortgage person, dealing with a competent realtor, dealing with a competent uh, uh, accountant who's, you know, accounting is a pretty wide field, as is law, unless they've got a really good understanding and not just a good understanding, but they're working with the other parties so they, they understand where things are going. Um, I think that a lot of people have got themselves into holding companies um, and uh, set up these really you know, fancy structures. And uh, my personal opinion is the vast majority of people who've done that have only really made their lawyer and accountant rich um, and confused their lives and made their lending more difficult. Um, so, you know, I would get less fixated on creating advanced structures and more fixated on having a functional understanding of the advice that people are giving you. Because, you know, Russ, before I read your book and really tried to understand things as much as I thought I knew joint ventures, anything you said sounded intelligent about joint ventures because I know nothing. The uh, But, you know, once I'd gone through your book and understood other things, then the metrics and the other things around of it started to make sense. And so, you know, I think for anyone to be, you know, a reasonably successful real estate investor, they need to make sure that they, you know, take the time to get the, the knowledge that's required to uh, really understand the marketplace. And, you know, in the case of someone like myself who's advising on the whole estate, uh, you know, I don't think a mortgage person who doesn't have a financial planning background, formal financial planning background, not like self-taught, um, and understands, you know, basic accounting and other things – 
they can't effectively advise a real estate investor. And I would suggest that also that, you know, if you're talking about um, being someone who is actually going around um, and trying to, uh, you know, do it yourself on all the other elements of this process, um, I would be highly surprised if you figure it out in the end that based on what you lost in terms of savings uh, by not paying for that advice was something that you were grateful for later on. Yep, I hear you. And I, I'm quite sure you would agree in these two statements of anytime there's any rule changes, bring opportunities, and those who are informed and take action of it prosper. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the, um, uh, like Jen, the, uh, what do you think of our learning here? The, um, how, how does our learning here compare to your previous work environment? It is intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have um, we have a learning team meeting every Wednesday where Callum uh, throws us into situations, and um, it's really a not only t- it's not only a learning experience, but it's a team building experience, and um, that's something that I've never never been experienced. I've never been. Um, Exposed to. Exposed to before, yeah. And it's it's definitely something that has helped me learn. And, um, yeah, when I speak for myself, I think I speak for the team as well, that everyone really enjoys it, and we all get a lot out of it. Yeah, now, speaking of learning, is, is Jen, what can, what can you help us with to help educate borrowers that we can help you with the process? Because at the end of the day, it's like the old you know, Jerry Maguire movie, help me help you. Yeah, so no, what absolutely. can we do as borrowers to help you get us more access to money, for money for us? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, the one problem that we seem to run into uh, over and over again with clients is that they don't sub- submit complete packages. Um, as you know, lending rules, they continuously change, and uh, especially now more than ever, it's important for us to have all the details up front. Clients quote wrong income numbers, they forget liabilities, they haven't filed their taxes yet for last year. These are all things that, that definitely affect how we're able to proceed with your mortgage. Um, we definitely try to simplify the process here for our clients. Uh, we don't want to overcomplicate it. We don't want to. I don't. I don't want to stress them out by chasing them day after day for documents. So sending in a complete package ensures a smooth and timely mortgage experience, and it also allows Callum and our uh, our other loan officer James to offer advice based on the client's actual situation, as opposed to having just a hypothetical discussion about inaccurate numbers and figures. Yeah, and the really cool thing is at the upcoming Acre program in in April on um, August 12th, or April, sorry, I'm Mm -hmm. way ahead of myself, April 12th (laughs) and 13th, we're actually going to hand everyone in attendance a four-page checklist of every piece of documentation that you need. Yeah, that's great. And I know, Callum, you've said that in your book is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the um, and it's so funny too, right? Because the um, you know people have this, um, you know, the, the more sophisticated the client, the um, typically the um, the more in order they are, right? And um, you know, and I found it even with my you know non real estate investor borrowers, right? You get the executive client is like, you know, they send in the entire package, they've got things in order, you know, they call on time, they don't miss appointments. The uh, and you get the you know the the other side of the market who like you know they they I swear my income tax is done I just don't know where it is and I'm pretty sure it was a refund um, and you know in times we 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 think we're doing clients favors by saying hey I, I get it you don't have that lease yet so but you're you know you're pretty sure it's there um, but you know you can imagine that you know we as a as a supplier of clients to lenders and you know I try to make sure it's profitable for lenders to do business with me and, and clients also enjoy the experience but if you sit back and think you know I have a 
a full team of people at Prepophile. Uh, I go through that, you know, half hour to hour consultation, and I try to figure out what I can do to add value on the personal financial side and give them some good tips, and then send it over to Jen, and then she sends it over to a lender, and you know, the lender then approves it, and then you know, for four weeks we're following up, and then that document comes in, and the numbers no longer work. Um, a whole lot of people wasted a whole lot of time, and you know what? The client's not happy. No one on our team's happy, and I mean, I'm pretty sure people have figured this out as much as I like talking about mortgages. I don't get paid to talk about them. We get paid to fund them. Um, so, you know, the uh, and I, I certainly give to charity, and I, I love helping people, but, you know, the uh, I also have my payments to make, right? So it's incredibly frustrating, too, right, because we want to help people, and I sometimes feel that, you know, uh, by these people tying up time and not doing what they're supposed to do, um, unfortunately, it compromises the service level of everyone else. And, and you know, every day as a team, and the general tell you, I start off. What, every day I start off by saying, what the, uh, you know, what can we do to make a client's life easier today? Like, who's stressed that we can we can solve this? And you know, inevitably, it's always the same thing. What, why are they stressed? Well, because they still haven't sent in this document. <laughs> the, um, you know, it's it it's not that complicated. But you know, it's gone to the point, Russ, where points before we used to be able to just you know submit a phone and they'd condition it back well anyone who's got lots of properties and i'm sure a lot of the people that call are, are you know um here on the call for that reason and they should know that you know we just got a mortgage approved for someone with the uh 78 property with 78 properties on the uh yeah uh, around there yeah yeah the uh, this week um and after, um, after 50 you start losing count right yeah, yeah. The, uh, hard to keep up yeah lots I, of I, paperwork I just see how many properties do they have a lot the, um, <laughs> um but i mean the um uh, the, the the point is that you you really need to be mindful of um, you know the amount of work and things that are going on behind the scenes and I mean the um, when I send a file into a bank so you know we get paid based on the size of the mortgage the term someone selects um, and uh, at some point soon we probably will have to introduce a fee for people who do it in a holding company just because the extra work that's required but I mean I've never done a fee based deal now you can imagine a lender on the other end. I mean, it's no more profit for them, and they have to look at an extra 74 properties. So you can imagine there's no part of that equation that's enjoyable for either side, right? Um, and I point that out because you need to realize that for us, we don't want that lender at the other side. When you send out paperwork and you say, hey, look, this person would like to do their 78th property, and um, you know, I'd like you to review this file, they're pretty much looking for any reason in the universe. <laughs> to say, actually, we don't have a complete package here. We prefer not to look at it. And then, you know, for them to pass on it because credit risk feels it's not organized. And we're at the point now where, you know, they don't even put it on hold. So, I mean, Jen, we got emails from TD, and they say, you know what, they anything when someone's got that much exposure to the marketplace, which now, by the way, is often down as few as five properties, when we send it off to credit risk, and, you know, the um, I've got a pretty good network, um, I think that the um, uh, more often than not now, we get a notice back saying this will not be reviewed by Treasury or credit risk until all documents are received in advance. So, you know, you've got a five-day financing condition, and you're running around and trying to find this document. And then, of course, you know, the um, it's not an organized state. Then all of a sudden it gets delayed. It gets reached back in, and, you know, maybe the person who's doing decisioning. When you're going up to senior levels of a bank to get a sign-off, it's not like these people are sitting in their office going, 
hey, it'd be cool if someone put a deal on my desk. Cause the, uh, yeah, especially with uh, 78 properties in it. Well, yeah, I mean, because you're realizing, I mean, you know, the um, some, you know, a lot of the deals for these types of people, it's not the loan amount is so big. You know, they're being signed off by, you know, SVP levels. So, I mean, you know, Jen can talk to you about, I mean, when you're in your previous life, tell, tell Rick Russ what it was like to get a hold of uh, bank management. Yeah, we didn't. We just didn't. <laughs> yeah. It was um, it was calls and emails, but no replies. Right. Wow. Yeah. We get a, bit, a little bit of a different experience here, though. Would you say? Yeah. No. Absolutely. You. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just for for those taking notes, just write this down. You know, be organized. Mm-hmm. Ha- be uh, empathetic to the person that you're dealing with, and put yourself in their shoes. Like they want to go home at a decent hour too. They want to, you know, they want a life. And if you give them everything in advance, help them say yes. So, Calum, you mentioned earlier about these uh, consultations at the Acre program. Um, right. Are you going to be offering them at the upcoming? Acre program in Toronto, and um, uh, does somebody have to do something, or what, do we have to qualify? Or how, how can we get involved with that? Yeah, I mean, we will be doing them. The um, uh, be myself and James that will be doing them. The um, and uh, we may have an extra person. Uh, I just want to manage people's expectations. That the, I mean, you know, I, I what I really love doing is writing content, doing presentations, and consulting clients. I mean, they uh, operations and paperwork stuff makes me crazy. Um, but I also want to manage people's expectations. Is like you know, bring complete documents, and then I can give as much information as possible. Um, the uh, I guarantee the more information you give, the more effectively it's laid out. And we're going to improve the form for this one. The other thing I would point out for people is that. Um, you know, don't miss it. We we won't reschedule you because we're booked solid. Um, you know, the uh, last four acre events, I think I was booked up at like breakfast on the Saturday. There were no more spots available for me. And then they, uh, the way, you know, we allow for up to 10 people on the waiting list and that's usually done, you know, before lunch on Saturday. Um, but I will like to try to give preference to people who have full documentation, who are going to complete it, you know, or people who know for sure they want to, you know, they want us to, to look after them as clients. I think there's this growing misconception because so many of the top brain members use, you know, uh, our team uh, that I only work with those people. And, and as I said to you, the those people, I, I love them. They're my clients, and I'll always look after them. But you know. It's awesome to start off with very junior real estate investors and start from the beginning. Um, you know, as much as it sounds really cool to look after some of the more successful members in the room, um, you know, I like working with that first-time person. The because uh, if I can get in and give them the the rules and set them up early, you know, I can make a much bigger difference in their life. Plus, I don't have to review 400 pages of documents, which is <laughs> nice too. And I think that's just a wonderful service that you provide to people that um, attend the Acre program. So, so if anyone is interested and they maybe want to get a little more information about the Acre program. I know there's lots of RAIN members on the line, and you guys all know what it's all about. The page that you're listening to this um, conference call or webinar, there's links there. You can register now. You can review all the success stories. You can review all the details, the agenda, all that kind of wonderful stuff. But I tell you what, it is an event that can change your life. It is a catalyst for people's jumpstart into success in real estate. I'm a personal success story of after I attended an ACRE program, it literally changed the direction of my future and my family's future and my kids' future going forward. So it's one of those types of events. And I know you've been to many of them too, Callum, and you've seen the impact that it has on people's lives. Yeah, I mean, I say this, and people think it was marketing. It's like, you know, I 
the uh, paid like sixty thousand dollars for my MBA. It was like you know for a year at Harvard, it was like seventy five thousand dollars, and my Rain membership is two hundred dollars a month. What a bargain! <laughs> um, like you know, it's unbelievable the pearls of wisdom and the network that I've taken away from it. Um, and you know, I think that the uh, people. Um, but I think you know the first year when I came on of, of head of real estate finance, I had limited capacity to take on new clients because you know you and I were working together diligently, Russ, to try tighten up on the gaps that had happened, and you know making sure that we had um, really good curriculum to help uh, the Rain members grow. And I was also um, you know getting some uh, more qualified people on my team because in previous years it had been okay for them to look after clients without that finance back, that personal finance background, and you know now we've got everyone who's dialed into that, and so I've got a strong team of available and, and I've got capacity to look after new clients and um, you know I want rain membership and the people on this call to realize that um, yeah the um, uh, I'm here to serve and you know if you've got a mortgage that you'd like me to handle um, you know even if you're just starting out or you know whether you're refinancing restructuring a really advanced portfolio or you know you're buying your first rental property in uh, northern BC and I'm licensed in Alberta I'm licensed in British Columbia and I'm well you actually shared some with me earlier today in a, in a quick text message that you had something that you were going to offer to people on the on the line today. Yeah, that, well, you know, have the, you changed uh, your mind? Or? No, no, no. The uh, <laughs> no. It's the well. We want to make sure anyone who's looking at doing a top up or a refinance prior to May first, because my sense is the rules are going to be a little tighter. Um, so. They, anyone who's on this call, if they if they do a complete the mortgage with us, so complete not fund, but get the documents into Jen and the uh, and the documents completed, um, the uh, my offer was that um, uh, you know the uh, I will pick up the ticket for uh, Rain if you want to go to the Rain Acre in Toronto, uh, I'll cover the cost on it the, um, as uh, my way of giving back because I think there's a lot to be learned there, um, and if you're an existing Rain member, the um, and even if it's people, there's a lot of people on this call who are my clients, are clients rather probably they relate to Jen more than me, but I call them ours, um, is that, um, you know, we'll do the same thing for you. We'll give you, you know, whatever credit towards rain that you can get product or something like that. They, uh, you know, a big part of our success has always been uh, giving back to clients and, and giving back to the education piece because as much as, you know, I can add some value during the mortgage process, we really want to make sure that uh, during the mortgage process we give people, you know, some useful tools that they can use to, you know, be better uh, financial stewards um, with their uh, their households and their real estate investments and their, their planning, uh, not just during the consultation, but uh, throughout the, the rest of their uh, their uh, life. That's awesome. That's uh, I think that's a, a very generous offer. So I imagine if people, if they want any more information about that, they can probably contact your office. So yeah. what would be a good telephone number or, or what would be some good contact information for you? Sure. I mean, if they actually uh, email clientcare at calumross.com, so that's uh, C-L-I. E N T C A R E at CallumRoss.com, um, and they can just uh, mention they were on this call. Uh, you know, the other thing too is that um, uh, they can be, uh, go through Twitter, tweet me, or you know, send me a message on Facebook. I'm just I don't check those as often. Um, my, my email is uh, you can you can send it to Callum at CallumRoss.com, but my email tends to get peppered, so someone filters it, and uh, I'd rather get it into Client Care at CallumRoss.com. Um, 
But, you know, reach out, leave a message. He, uh, I he want people to realize that there's this underlying perception that the, uh, you know, I only look after successful real estate investors, and, you know, the uh, that's just not the way it is. I mean, uh, I, I genuinely love what I do. I mean, the, as much as I earn a good living now with my background, mortgages isn't exactly my highest path activity. Uh, but I believe in the value that rain brings, and, I, uh, and I've seen the direct results. And, um, you know, we love to look after people, and I quite frankly, uh, it upsets me when I hear that someone is going through, you know, unnecessary stress, not because they're in a bad position, just because unfortunately they're working with, you know, incompetent people that haven't put their client's best interest first and focused on trying to make sure that they add value. And so many mortgage people and other people in life, you know, seek the path of least resistance. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of really good people and, and, and uh, RAIN members who would be much more successful get unfortunately caught up in the crossfire. What an outstanding call with Russell and Callum. Now, remember, this is only part one of a two-part series. So next week, you'll be able to catch the next half of the conversation. So make sure you're subscribed and tuning in. Mortgages seem to be a tough nut to crack based on what we heard here today. So financing, it's becoming more difficult to qualify for. And with rules changing on what seems to be a daily basis, you're not always sure where to turn for the right info or the right answer. So rather than stumble through misinformation, media headline frenzies, all the stuff that goes along with what we're used to today, you need to turn to an authority like Callum Ross, and that's the first step you want to take. If you're in a tough spot financially, you might think you have no hope for getting the right mortgage for that home of your dreams. But instead of quitting before you get started, work with a broker like Callum to get creative. You'll probably even learn something in the process, and chances are he can show you what steps to take to make that a reality, no matter how tough a situation you might be in. If you want to get in touch with Callum Ross, you can email him and his team at clientcare@callumross.com. You can hit him up on Twitter at CallumRossTO or search his name on Facebook and LinkedIn, and he's there to help you with your tough questions. Now, we're only a couple days away from the Big Acre event happening this weekend in Toronto. That's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 11th, 12th, and 13th. We only have a few early bird tickets remaining, so don't wait around. Prices are going to be going up, and this will sell out for sure. Sold out last year and the year before and the year before that. So it's a massive event for the Toronto area. Check out www.acrelive.ca or phone us at 1-888-824-7346, and one of our team members can help you get signed up. Now, be sure to check us out online for even more research, expert opinions on the Real Estate Insider blog. You can find us at blog.myrainspace.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rain Canada or catch us live at one of our next events. For the Real Estate Insider podcast and the whole crew at the Real Estate Investment Network, this is Madison Norton saying later days. Thanks for listening and engaging with the Real Estate Insider podcast. A bold look at reality. Share the reality.